what is about to be uh, heard here is a 45 minute long uh, recording of my entire uh, love light history. So if you don't want to hear the love light history of some poor um, 33 year old cis white male, then probably don't listen. It's pretty pathetic to be honest. <coughs> cough included by mind you, um, but uh, cough included very much so. If you actually do care, um, then by all means listen to it and listen to somebody probably more pathetic than yourself. Um, maybe less pathetic, who knows? Um, right now I'm on a very hard point in my life. It has been a week since I recorded this, at least, um, and uh, I'm at a very vulnerable point now. So if you hear this, um, I knew this is a week old, but I was really feeling it when I made it. I was really feeling it hard. So at least appreciate what I have done, please. This is... Ryan R. Barter, date of birth, 8-7-1989. Chevy Coon, here goes. Thanks. My mother's authentic china ashtray, one of the last pieces of her set from her grandmother, did she give that to me because she had already planned on it or because I asked and she felt guilty? I think we already know the answer to this one. Oh wow, what a mind fuck the past few days have been. Past week and a half, really two weeks, but really the past few days. Um, I named my podcast, Where Is My Mind, after a song by the Pixies. Um, there, and I believe British alternative rock band um the 90s which primarily who apparently only had one single um where's my mind um i just thought it was a great name for for a podcast i thought it was a great title that makes a lot of sense where's my mind and i've looked at the meaning once and uh found uh, absolute nothingness in the responses i found um and i just saw the music video and i said they're all full of shit and uh what the um what the songwriters said it was about is bullshit. <laughs> no, it's not about it. I, I, I can only interpret. I don't believe it's about a vacation in the Caribbean where he discovered his mind. Oh yeah, I discovered himself. On vacation? No, these guys are way too deep for that. At least the song is. Uh, the guitar riffs alone should say that. But the video is... I just watched it for the first time ever just now. At least I actually took note in alone, I've been alone for over an hour now, a couple hours, um, obviously in my mind, in my, well, so he's running away from himself and those around him, he's running away, and finally he's tightrope walking, so to speak, um, he's walking on a ledge, and he falls, wakes up, and somebody's there to pick him up, and then he's happy. Somebody's there to pick him up, and then he's happy. So, I've been insecure my entire life. I always keep saying, this is my most vulnerable, this is my most vulnerable. No, this is my most fucking vulnerable. Okay? I've always been my entire life codependent. As far as I can remember. Um, no, not as far as I can remember. No, I was not, actually. My first girlfriend, I was very avoidant with. And uh, my second girlfriend, I was very avoidant with. I was more shy um, than anything. But um, those two relationships, I was very shy. And I got my boyfriend, 
when I was 16, almost 17, he was 19, and I was still avoidant. <laughs> yes, I was. And then I got with Alonzo. This is so. My first boyfriend, I got with him, broke up with my senior year of high school. And I was not in my next actual serious relationship until after college. So this entire time being alone, I was so morally depressed, and all I could focus on was that depression. All I could focus on was that fucking depression that I felt, that loneliness, that sheer feeling of loneliness that I felt so strongly every night and every morning when I woke up. And that guided me in such a wrong direction. I got with a boyfriend that I wanted more from than he was obviously willing to give. Um, adult me would have said, dude, read the signs now. But, like, I keep wanting these avoidant partners because I was with these people that were so emotionally giving to me. I gave them nothing in return. I felt guilt about that. And then I was hurt. I was broken up with. I, I broke up with my first two partners. And then I was broken up with. It was actually like a couple days before Christmas. And uh, with your text message. And I saw it coming. I was waiting for it. I saw the signs. I was intuitive back then, I guess. He's a 17-year-old punk. And... I was in the car with my mom at the time. I was in the car with my mom and she dropped me off at school. And uh, I got the text just as we're pulling up to drop me off. So I had all day at school to think about that. Not be able to talk about it. Not being able to text back hardly at all. I knew if I did, he wouldn't text back and he really didn't. But he gave me a sense of what heartbreak felt like. And then I waited two more years and I got with my next relationship and uh, he told me Brian I'm a con artist I remember saying we, me, his name was Alonzo he was a um, uh, mixed race African American white um, cowboy uh, it's a mean guy so it's called from Arizona area uh, ended up in Maine a long time ago and was in a dead end relationship with this guy that I thought I could just take him from because I can be romantic and uh, I can show him what true sex is like. And uh, at the end of it, he told me what I had already guessed all along, which I didn't want to admit to myself, was that he had used me to feel young again. I was 19, turned 20 throughout the relationship, and he was 30. I'm now 33, mind you, so I know what it's like to be past his age, but not narcissistic like this. And uh, he was 30, and he was in a stale mate relationship with somebody he truly loved but was no longer in love with if I'm the passion for anymore and he used the relationship with me to feel young again and honestly what a flattery cool like not really but kind of cool right like it was very very passion fueled very passion fueled relationship um I would be PD and be an INFP I was just a person and not knowing any of these things yet not one single thing of them um not knowing who I was or what these emotions I had all the time were and feeling all through college while I was depressed all the time and because I was lonely when I, I felt better when I was with him all I knew was that I felt better when I was with him this relationship had more to do with my growing experience my turning who I am than I had ever realized until right now So we told each other many stories about our past that we often do. And don't let these people on podcasts or any fool you and saying, oh, this narcissist will do that and you'll do this. No, dude. There are people just like us, okay? There are people just like us. 
just trying to feel comfort in this world in the only way that they know possible, okay? I forgive him. I forgive everybody. If I didn't, then who the fuck am I to be judged, you know? I can't judge what I can't forgive. So, he introduced me to drugs, which I... He, I remember him saying to me, we bought some... So, I'm 19 years old, maybe 20 at the time, and we bought some... They call them baby baby perks. They're 5 milligram oxycodones. It's tiny little pills. You can crush them any the time and store as much as you want. It's small enough. And, um... I wanted to do them right in the parking lot of Hannaford, the Thompson Fair Mall, just where we bought them from. And uh, he said, no, we need to be home. So why? He said, you need to learn patience, he said. And he impressed it upon me. This was like the best thing he could teach me. As, he said, this is the best thing he could impress upon me, was to learn patience. Don't be in a rush to do your drugs, he says. It scares me. I remember the line, he said, it scares me. I'm reflecting on that now for the first time since it happened um, over 13 years later and uh, I said dude like grow up like not grow up that's what I say now but I'd be like come on man don't be a fucking pussy or whatever this is what I'm doing right now he said wait till we get back we're here we need to leave oh my god if I could only have said the same thing to myself I, would, I wouldn't listen to myself either way so um I waited and I was irritated the whole way. Oh my god, I had to put up with 15 minutes of pure agony on the fucking highway. Oh my god. And, um, maybe we got back and we got even more. We got even higher. Alonzo was a man with a master plan. He always had a master plan. As I myself am now a lot of the time. I am 33 going on 39, I feel like. Also going on 25. And I am often now a man with a master plan. He had done a lot in his short years. He had done more in his short years than I could ever have fathomed. And now at age 33, I get that now. You don't need to be in multiple relationships, too many relationships to be, have come a long way. He was a man of, of romanticism and honestly, I should probably reach out to him. Um, I probably have a lot, a lot of things to ask him. But, okay, so where's, where's all this going? Okay, so, he showed me what it was like to be conned, to be played, and to be hurt, truly, truly hurt. When my first boyfriend in high school brought up me, I was not truly hurt. I never quite even really found it for him to begin with. I, I really never felt it for him to begin with, but neither did he for me. It was all superficial. I knew that at the time, I just, didn't, I just didn't recognize it. Looking back, of course I recognized it. But when Lonzo and I broke up, I went down a dark path and I experienced pure loneliness for the first time because I had somebody spend the night with me as an adult, where I'm an adult. I can do as I please, I come and go as I please, I do what I want and he does what he wants and we're together coexisting as adults in this supposed relationship where you still live with his ex. I'm not blaming him either. He was smart. And I was dumb. I was naive. I was naive. I understand that now. So you take these dynamics, okay? And then later that year, I get with somebody that I did not know at first was a woman. Let's just say, long story short, she became the, my wife and mother of my children. Together for seven and a half years. 
I always include that half. Seven years. Who's counting? The majority of my adult life as of the date we broke up, yes. So, when she left me, it threw me for even more of a loop and traumatized me very deeply. It was a dead-end relationship. I had kind of known this, but I was happy in the familiarity. I was happy with the familiar. Does not make it any less traumatizing. And she had effort to leave me. I recognized this right off the bat. She had a right to feel the way she did. I had not treated her right for a long time, since my father's passing. How to the point of my next trauma? I had many by that point. I've been in jail already, like, for a month, which I was not ready for. Nor can you ever be ready for that because I did. I was too deep of a feeler. I am too deep of a feeler. To be brought so drastically out of my comfort zone was just traumatizing for me. I keep repeating a word: trauma, trauma, trauma. Fuck, man. This is me getting my introspection out. This is me introspecting onto the microphone. I'm gonna post it for all you to fucking listen to if you actually care to listen. Okay? Thank you for listening. You too. Um, thank you and God damn you for listening. Turn off now. Don't listen to what I have to say. Do not listen to me. This is too private. But fuck, I have to get it out one way or another, man. I have to get this out. So it's like... She was there for me when I got out. I got out of a month of jail. And I came home to a locked apartment. One that I had spent one night in prior to going into jail. With my father and my pregnant fiancé. And the door was locked, but the back door was open because I knew that they were both foolish and they'd probably leave the back door unlocked, and I was right. I had the officer check for me, and he was right. I was right, and he got in. He got in. Okay, and um, they're all alone. First time, alone, truly alone, in privacy for a long time. Uh, even prior to the uh, jail and jail and jailing, it had been a long time. My fiance at the time had not had a job and I had not been able to have a long time for a long time um, nor did I say I wanted it I didn't think I wanted it I probably needed it more than I wanted it my own time consisted of finding two half cigarette butts in my father's bedroom and uh, uh, rearranging and combining the um, sim cards and batteries to various um uh, Nokia cell phones this is in 2012 um, uh, that one of which belonged to the government paid cell phone that my wife had owned and operated and one of which belonged to mine well she had my cell phone which is a straight dog and I she, she had mine and, and I found the one that was the government cell phone eventually I connected the right sim card to the right battery to the right phone and I found the fucking number and my mom's phone was busy I figured she was my mom's I knew she was but I was on house arrest I got off on 80s house arrest and I made it first person in that county um, in um, uh, two years. Cool. Pretty impressive. I guess I was, I was hung that fucking hard by the law that the fucking uh, lieutenant of the Sagittal County Sheriff's Department found, found pity on me. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Through this day. Thank you. And so I got out and, and it was just a scramble of anxiety uh, to find the right thing here. And finally... I got through to my mom. No, I got through to Ashley herself. I got through to her. She was in the basement at my mom's house doing laundry. 
I said, that's what I thought you were doing. That's, that's, that's what I thought you were doing. How'd you know? I said, I just, just did. But I still had to contact you for safety reasons. Safety? Well, yeah, because emotional safety. I can't explain it. And continue, just continue on my string of emotional unavailability that I've always had. So let's just fast forward a bit here. Ash and I separate in August slash early September of 2017. And I waited, I said, I waited two months, a month and a half before I got with my next girlfriend. Met her three days after starting a dating app. I didn't meet a partner very fast when I'm available. When I'm available, the right person will come by. When I'm available. And I wasn't even sure what I was looking for. And I found this girl and we clicked right away. I remember sitting in my living room. I'm sleeping on the couch at the time. I had a few nights in the bed. I had nights in the fucking bed. But I never even came out of it. There was never once or twice we had sex, but twice, you know, not after the show started, I don't think. I don't think so at least. And um and yeah, maybe one time. I don't remember. And so I met this girl and I remember I met talking to her for about a week now. And um we have a three hour long phone conversation to the point where I was going to a methadone clinic at the time and if I drank after a certain amount of time I couldn't get dosed because I was on a 30 day breathalyzer plan and they breathalyzed me every morning and I cannot, yeah I drank enough I drank too much okay it showed this morning so I'm saying you know I don't care anymore I'm having fun I'm having the most fun I've had in so freaking long I said I don't care I'm going to keep on talking to you if it's okay with you and I'm going to miss my dose and I'm cool with that she was flattered I'm like, you're worth it. I meant it too. I fucking meant it too. I, I meant it with all my fucking heart. She said, this girl was worth it. Was, my wife hadn't paid this as much attention to me since before we had kids. And by this point, my son, my daughter was fucking four or five. Uh, to be honest about the math, uh, yeah, she was four years old, yeah. Five. She was five, yeah. And so, fast forward, um, my ex-wife is now totally willing to let me have this girl over and sleep on the couch for us. She was that emotionally unavailable. Emotionally unavailable. And like, no, emotionally turned off. She was that turned off. She was running on feelings, not emotions. If that makes any difference, there there is a difference. She was running on feelings, but not emotions. And so we had the bedroom and I remember I was um, abusing Xanax and uh, alcohol at the same time. I'm surprised I lived. Uh, that's another story right there. If you want to go into Drug Addiction 101 right there. Um, and fuck, dude. So this woman, I, I kind of come to it and I pass out for like 30 minutes. Like not even, like 50 minutes. I come to it and I'm like, what the fuck just happened? I, I'm a total blackout for the next, past two hours. I go out there. I remember Nicole was here, right? She was here. Ashley, I say to my ex my ex-wife, where's Nicole? My current girlfriend. She says, she's in the bathroom crying. I said, what? Why? She said, because what you fucking said to her. She had a look at utter disgust and disappointment on her face, looking at me, like, I'm like, oh my god, what did I say? She said, you called her a fucking idiot. That's it? Dude, that's massive, man. Are you fucking kidding? That's huge. The girl was damaged enough. The girl was damaged enough. And I... I had learned I said this to her. And I felt this immediate wave of shame and guilt 
wash all over me. Now that I'd sobered up just enough to realize what the fuck was happening. And I'm like, oh my God. I said, I, I can't believe I did this. And I go to talk to her and she's still crying in the bathroom. As Ashley had said, you see as she was. And I said, oh my God. I said, I'm so sorry. I said, you let me in. She didn't want, she didn't want, she didn't want to let me in. Okay, she blame her. I, I, she did because at that point I was now all she had. And so we talked about it, and I don't think I was real with her. And it wasn't until I got sober from alcohol in August of 2019, I believe that I became at all emotionally available in my entire life. And it's easy to forget prior to that. It's easy to forget prior, because that's where life seemed to have started anew. I had a quarter-life crisis after that. We had since moved out of Dresden. Dresden was at the boonies in the middle of nowhere where I had spent many years of isolation. You can hear about that in my far earlier episode, a way earlier episode called Causes and Effects of Social Isolation um, when I was still a newbie at doing this and recording myself at all. So, I'm a cigarette, man. You need it. So it's like, we got out of it and I continued to be an alcoholic for almost another whole entire year. November 28th until August... August 9th, I believe. Or 18th. One of those two. Yeah, it was just after my birthday, so yeah. And so... I had to feel for the first time in a long time. I had shrouded my emotions with alcohol for... And before that, opiates. Opiates and alcohol... I had since quit the methadone clinic um, over a year prior, and I, I now felt my emotions for the first time. I actually felt them sort of shoving them deep down inside. I always shoved them so far down inside, and I can't believe it. I, 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 the audacity to let you mad about this. My God, what a hypocrite. And so, I always felt it, but I didn't express them. So it's like, I remember one of the first things that we did was on in the same month, like uh, two weeks after I got out, um, we saw a band, a local main band, but they were not local. They were a main band that had been professionally signed um, to a major record label, some, a bigger record label nationwide. And um, and they were of some notoriety. Um, the Rustic Overtones, uh, I learned they were playing out back of where I now work, ironically, the same place that I was hosting that I now work for, out of all irony. Um, and it was my first positive sober experience since I was 17. Over 10 years later. And I even asked her for a drink and she told me no. And I'm so thankful that she told me no. I'm so thankful. I'd be punching in the face metaphorically right now if I could have gone back and revisiting it. I'd be like, damn it, let me have a fucking drink. I don't even drink beer, but I want a beer. Just to taste the alcohol. And she told me no and I let her and I'm so glad that I did because I got to experience authenticity, true authenticity. I had a really good time with her. We smoked some weed. That's whatever. Is that okay? Is that okay? Like, but it, it was no alcohol. And so, it was that same summer that, I think, I don't fucking remember, man, but no, it was the next summer. It was a whole year later, one year later. I had been real. I had had enough, and don't worry about the story. So I had um, 
met a guy at a bar that I knew from my previous workplace, and we had a fling, as you do on her, and I told her. And after that, I asked for an open relationship because I had, like I said, I had previously dated men. Um, I was broken up with by two guys in a row, so I had some fucking hangups. I was with guys who broke my heart, therefore I held on to it more than if you if you just break somebody else's heart, you don't usually hold on to it as long as if they break yours. It's when they break yours that fucking hurts, okay? Breaking somebody else's heart will not hurt as much as when they break yours. And so I got an open I got into an open relationship so I could sleep with men and I did and I was able to do it. Um, I felt relief. I had not felt in love with this girl for a while by this point because she got mean and controlling and at least as I viewed it. And um, and I let my ego and my um, my hormones get a hold of me and I uh, went right into it. So we left mutually 20 21 so two years after almost two years after the um social ramp alcohol and i still drink but, but i control it now i have them i do now i have my fallbacks but we you know uh, I, I, I keep it up um I, I don't get drunk i'm not drunk right now so i got my last girl in september of 2021 we broke up Really, a week before Matt and I got together. And I'm glad he saved me when he did because I don't want to know what ensuing loneliness would happen after that one because she was very mean to me. Um, she was very manipulative and very controlling. Uh, she was, and I'm just coming from somebody who has been that way themselves. And so I'm saying, yes, she was. I, I, I knew what she was doing. I knew what she was fucking doing. And uh, and um, yeah, I got with Matthew. And I mean, there's history, huh? So, where am I getting with this? I need a moment to reflect. One moment, please. Boom. Impact. <clears throat> the girl I had gotten with, her name was Crystal. She was the name Vivian at the time. I grew up there in high school. She was one of my best friends. One of my good friends in high school. So I thought that the familiar, familiarity would have been nice. And so, excuse me. When she had left, which is because I met Matthew, I'm not sure how long she would have held on to if I hadn't. I'm glad she didn't. Thank you. So yeah, it was because I met Matthew. Um, so he saved me from sharing under loneliness, but I was just diving right into it. So I had never been alone in my entire life. I had never been alone after Alonso for more than three months. Even that, before this. It had been about one to three months each time. And this is the third time repeating itself, okay? One after Alonzo, two after Ashley, three after Nicole. Probably four months after Nicole, but it was a very it was the longest point in my entire life. And I say he saved me. He thus sparked a whole series of a methamphetamine fueled uh, wonderful gay sex and fueled um relationship where I just felt so whole. I felt so okay, like I was on size balls the whole time, and I was getting into the throes of addiction without actually considering the fact that I was. I had considered it, but I was not willing to accept it. I was not willing to face the consequences. And he moved in there. We got together on in October of 21, and we he moved in in January of 22. 
and we had been together for about a month and a half, two months before he started becoming avoidant again. Or should I say avoidant, period. And it scared the living shit out of me. And so I also in turn got avoidant because at the time I had been overtly vulnerable. I felt like I had never been able to describe my life to someone. I felt like I had never been able to open up to anybody at this point. And I blindfolded myself that I felt like I've always been this way. No, I felt this way. I had not been this way. And I don't regret it. It was I'm so thankful I did. We had been together for a month or two by the time I started doing research online. Actually, I already started, but I really started deeply after I met him. And what my personality disorder is, and that's when I learned, ironically, um, um, my roommate, I love him very much, Mark. I love Mark very much, with all my heart. More than I probably love him in my life. Not romantically, but I love him. Um, that he showed me the Myers-Briggs personality type, and I do not put your stock into this, dude, but it gives you a starting point on how to find yourself. It was a starting point. I learned what an INFP is. Okay. And I learned that I was a deep feeler. And thus, research spawned into finding out... Um, uh, sir, what is that, right? My research afterwards spawned into thus finding that I was a highly sensitive person. And I learned a lot about that at the end. But Matthew did not want to hear about this psychology shit because he was raised differently to shut himself off from psychology. Feelings were inert to him. He did not, he did not I used the wrong word there. Feelings were irrelevant to him. Um, he was told to avoid them. And I had been too while expressing them at the same time. So I, I, I let all this out on Matthew. I let, I, I'm like learning about myself and expressing all to him at the same time. I'm throwing him into the thrusts of psychology as I'm still finding them for the first time myself. And I realized, I do love psychology. I love this. I said, I'm thinking like, and, and I just crash course myself so hard and him at the same time that wasn't fair to him it was too much for him and he pulled away and it's so obvious why and understandable why too it's understandable and so he left me um finally a week after the most important concert of my entire life if nay the most important event of my entire life seeing Ringo Starr live because that was a tribute to my father and it was an experience for me too and I got to see the Avid Brothers the Avid Brothers is one that I found on my own a band I found on my own and um, when I was 20 years old um, 20 and 21 and uh, I loved them I bought their album I Am Loving You when I was 21 20 something like that and it was like eye opening for me it was amazing it was like all these feelings poured into music and just being raw and vulnerable for the first time I'm like wow boom 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 like the, this is raw this is so legit like and I held it to myself I didn't want to share it with anybody because I was embarrassed I was embarrassed from my own feelings to become a parent with somebody else and I didn't even show it to Matt until just before the concert and it was Mark that told me about the concert and um so we see them live, I see the Avery Brothers, and I held his hands in very important songs. I felt them to myself, I felt my own feelings, I felt the depth of myself, and the fear I had of him leaving me. The fear that I had at that time as I looked at him and saw those vacant eyes. They're full of emotion, but not registering how to comprehend it yet in him. And I felt, I thought that I felt it on my own, but did I? And so, when Ringo came on, I, I, I loved the show, and I was getting kind of bored with some of the parts with the other members and other members playing their band songs, and 
Uh, if you know any about Ringo Starr and his all-star band, it's more than just him. It's it's a combination of music. They don't really have that much of his own music. So we heard a lot of his songs, and I held my father's locket of hair for one song. Um, and uh, he passed, passed a long time ago. And so the way back we fought, as I predicted, out of out of naivety except my prediction to it happening pretty much made it happen I got stressed out he gets stressed out blah 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 thus ensues so one week later we broke up after a sushi dinner with him and both my kids my kids didn't eat sushi but we went to the same restaurant huh? <laughs> so and I predicted it would happen too I knew, I knew it would happen and it's like, if you knew this all along, why did you avoid it? So, after the breakup, I spent oh, the summer entirely in pain. I had a couple hookups, but only dated one person, and we were dating, and I broke this man's heart, and he was finally opening up for the first time in his entire life. And I broke his heart. That's probably further shutting off the rest of his entire life. I was like 54 years old, 51, um, me being 33, and I destroyed him. I'll ever feel, I'll ever feel guilty about Scott. I'll ever feel fucking guilty about that man. I, I broke somebody's heart for the first time since I was 17 years old, 16. Anyway, so there was one night when I had worked a hard shift at work and I had a fail grinder date, and as they all should be, right? And I admitted to Matthew, I cried my heart on video chat how much I needed him and wanted him. I had never stopped thinking about him. I had never stopped talking to him. Every morning and every night when I woke up and went to bed, I, saw, I thought about it. And it was so true. It was so fucking true. What I could ever want to admit to myself. And I admitted it straight to him. I didn't even know what I was saying as I'm saying it. It's just, just kind of flowing out of me. Just like, boom. Impact, man. Boom, impact. And so like, yeah. And a week later, he sees he's coming back up and... In a week, and then a week, he became two nights. We became one night, uh, um, and uh, I had less than 24 hours to tell Scott that I had other plans, and I will forever feel guilty about that. And I'm saying it out here for the world to know: follow your heart or follow your gut. Maybe you should follow your gut more than your heart, but I don't regret it. Because life will lead you where it's supposed to. Even if it's negative, life will lead you where it's supposed to. I never would have grown beyond this. Had I not broken it off with Scott, who I knew I wouldn't have loved. I knew I would not have. Okay, and I would have got back there than that. I remember I learned he was coming up that night, that morning of. Okay, and so I went to bed early. I went to bed at like 11 p.m., that's early for me. And I remember waking up at 3.30 in the morning and there's a figure in my room who I have not seen, a shadow I have not seen in three fucking months. Not like this. He was sober and he flung himself on me. I flung myself into him. And oh my God, it was, it was, it was the most incredible um, force of, of uh, oxytocin I've ever felt my entire life. I, never, I was not aware that as in sobriety, the brain could emit such powerful drugs. Oh my God. And, um, whew. and it was amazing. It was incredible. 
And I don't know what else to say. I had never felt this emotion in my life. Let's just say that I had had, I had never felt like I had been in love in my entire life before I met him. I thought I loved my ex-wife. I thought I loved my ex-girlfriend. And no, I had never loved, not properly, not until I met Matt. Who I was able to just throw myself into and just let force all of these fucking emotions that I held up, bottled up for 10 years over that. And oh my god, I, I, I was so much shit. I don't even remember all of it. And so when we got back together after this breakup, this tumultuous breakup with a very traumatizing midsection. Um, I, I'm sorry, I'll, I love you, Matt. I'll never be the same after that breakup. Um, it wasn't so much the breakup, it's what happened after. It was what happened after. Because I tend to hang on. And I'm not used to my exes just ghosting like this. That's in Salonzo. Oh, she is Sam. Maybe that was part of the trauma. But, um... If you're still listening to this, by the way, thank you so much. Um, whoever you are, you must really care about me. You must really care a lot, or else you're identifying in some way, or trying to get some knowledge out of this. Um, whatever you are getting out of this, you trust me. I hope it's worth it. Because um, this is some fucking life lessons right here, okay? When Matt came back, I knew it would not last again. When Matt came back, I knew it would not last again. But I didn't care because it felt good. Like any drug addiction, any addiction at all, it doesn't matter in the time because it feels good. This is the facts of life. These are the facts of life. It feels good, so do it now, enjoy it while it lasts, and, and suffer the consequences after it ends. He broke up with me two weeks ago today. No, sorry, tomorrow. <laughs> Friday. It's Thursday. So, as always, today. Whatever. Okay. So, he felt more. He felt silenced again. This is on his own. Okay. This is him. I didn't mean to do this, but I kind of did. It wasn't entirely on me, but it was at the same time. I was so closed off again. I had shut, the hurt was so bad from that breakup that I had shut myself off from him so hard. He gave me so much love and I did not return it at all. Our biggest downfall was the sudden three week long period of lack of sex. The rejection hurt me so deeply. Once he started denying me that, I had figured I had it all. I had him back forever. That's the problem with us, huh? We think everything is fucking forever. We don't look towards the future because the future is uncertain, therefore it is scary. I am afraid of it, as you are too. I say, I assume you are. If you're not, you're probably lying to yourself. And um, we don't want to think that far ahead. And we think, once again, this feels good in the moment. I'm going to keep on with it. So I saw it coming and I chose to ignore it because I thought, yeah, you don't leave me anywhere, you don't go anywhere. And honestly, I didn't see it coming to that morning when my partner suddenly says I raped him. I'm going to tell you, and one thing I'm going to say in my defense, this whole this whole episode, one thing I, one thing I will say in my defense is that I am incapable of such a thing. Um, I might, he's, I might whine and beg uh, sexual coercion. I'm guilty of such things, such toxic, horrible things as that. Yes, I can, I can sexually coerce. I can whine and beg and say, oh, poor pity me until I get what I want. That's what I learned as a child. But I did not rape him. And he knew that. Otherwise, he would have followed through. So he left that morning on that pretense. And he left in a fit of rage and disgust and um, 
more or less a fear, a fit of fear. And I responded with a fit of fear, a quiet, a furrowed brow fit of fear, watching him do this and saying, what are you doing? All at the same time, the whole time along, I knew what he was doing. And he wasn't entirely at fault. I had been emotionally shut off again because I saw what happened last time I was emotionally vulnerable and I saw what happened when I was, but he, this time he was vulnerable. He had been vulnerable this time, which is all I had ever asked for before. All I had ever asked for was that he was emotionally vulnerable. So he was and I was the opposite once again. Thank you for this therapy session. Whoever's listening to this, this I'm gonna post this, but this was fucking therapy for me. This was therapy. Because I know somebody will hear this. And I'm going to try to alleviate the pain in my voice because I made myself vulnerable again tonight. Finally. I finally tonight. We've been broken up for a week and a half, almost two weeks, and I made myself vulnerable again. No response? That's a good response. That's a good response. And very little response, I should say. I hope it's worth it. Either way, I'm glad I did it. It was worth it because I got it out for myself. Since the past three days ago, I started feeling harder and harder. I got punched in the eye by Nicole, my ex-girlfriend, after Ashley, before Matt. Um, yeah, she, she's been my best friend ever since. Nobody's took by my side my entire life as much as she has, man. Nobody has known me this well and gotten this much out of me. Uh, I, I love you. I love you, Nicole. I always, always love you. You're my soulmate. Sorry it didn't work out between us, but you're my fucking soulmate. That's like, she punched me in the eye because of what I did. I lunged out at her emotionally because she had, in my opinion at the time, ruined my chance of talking to Matt again and getting him to admit something he didn't want to admit to and getting back together with me prematurely uh, should just been more, been more toxic. And he got back together with me for a day. <laughs> and uh, I fucked that up again, I guess. I don't know. I'm confused again. I, I haven't had enough time to process all this again. And uh, earlier today, it's 2.21 a.m., so yesterday, I he, he helped me out again. Kind of like, yeah, he did. He did. I needed to ride to the grocery store, which is true. And I usually always demand cuddles first because I'm thinking I'm being self-centered. This time I was not. I was trying to think of a place of love. He said he wasn't ready to come up yet, so I said, okay, well, maybe I, maybe I convince him after. If I don't, I'm okay with that because I'm okay with myself today. That's what I thought. And I went to the grocery store and I was feeling him. I felt my, 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 empathy, my empathy was so strong. My empathy was so fucking strong. And I listened to what he had to say. I, I, I talked to him. And I told him about my sleep paralysis that morning and my um, early night the night before and the police coming into the house because my friend broke in through my window though I, he, I knew he was coming over but I thought I'd wake up to his phone call and I didn't and uh, a bunch of mistakes a bunch of mistake after mistake after mistake so I slept for 10 hours though I hadn't slept for more than 5 in about a month <laughs> so he came in after that and I got just enough cuddles that I felt I could relax. I felt his warmth. I felt the true warmth of his affection towards me. The one that he's so scared of me is he's, he does not want to get hurt again. It's like a cycle, man. It's like a trauma bond. 
that I started. And he perpetuated. And then he stopped and tried to fix it. And I perpetuated. I'll never get over this man. I don't think I will. I can't say the future for certain, but I don't think I'll ever get over him. I mean, now I just want him back. But when it's time, when it's ready, when we're both ready, as much as it hurts, the anxiety, as much as the pain is when he's not with me, at least I can feel myself right now. I can feel myself and express myself unadulted with no direct live audience. I can record this and let it out. Matthew, I love you. Matthew, I love you. And I hope that you stuck around for all this because you're fucking worth it. I will always be here for you. As long as... Even if it hurts me, even if it hurts you. I need to be here for you. I need to be to fix the mother I couldn't fix. And that's kind of where we stand now. We got back together and then we, now we're not. Like, yeah, we're friends. And I, just over a year of my life has gone by. It seems like it's been 10 years. My, my children have not grown up as fast as me and Matt been together. Like, I need here. Take what you can get out of this. Take what you can get. If you can see beneath the lining, then it's helped you. If not, then apply this to your own life and see where you stand. Thank you for listening to Where's My Mind. Talk to Chevy over now. Peace out.